G'day, Swellians. Deadly here. Well, as you have probably heard, very sad news over the weekend that Chris Davidson, the former golden boy of Rip Curl's search campaign, a CT competitor, larger-than-life character, has been killed over the weekend in a fight outside a club, Southwest Rocks, the mid-north coast of New South Wales. The facts... Of the matter, as reported in the Sydney Morning Herald, are as follows. Former surf star Chris Davidson has died after an alleged one-punch assault outside a pub on the New South Wales mid-north coast. Davidson allegedly punched in the face, fell to the ground, hitting his head, knocking the 45-year-old unconscious, police have said. Grant Coleman, 42, has been charged with assault causing death. He is the brother of Waratah's coach, Darren Coleman, who had driven to the Mid-North Coast on Sunday to support his family. Uh, The Waratahs being a rugby union team for New South Wales. Emergency services were called to Sportsman's Way in Southwest Rocks just after 11pm on Saturday. Davidson was treated at the scene by paramedics, taken to Kempsey Hospital where he was pronounced dead shortly after. Sean Doherty uh, has posted on Surfing World's Instagram, We lost Davey last night, one of the rawest, realest characters Australian surfing has ever seen. We profiled him in the mag back in 2010 in the middle of the second arc of his story. He'd started in the early 90s as a freakishly talented Narrabeen grommet on the first search trip with Current, then beat Slater as a wildcard at Bells twice. In 2010, after some lost years, he was in the top 10, still wild as hell and keeping a new generation of clean living professionals honest. When we interviewed him, he'd almost beaten Parker at Snapper, surfing on a dodgy ankle he'd injured jumping from a first floor balcony late at night. He then turned up to the interview with a cast on his arm, claiming to have done it doing a floater. He'd written Davo stating on the plaster and proceeded to gnaw on it as we talked, growling. In an increasingly gentrified tour, Davo was an echo back to wilder times. Coming from Narrabeen, it had been written in blood long ago. Davo is an amalgam of every surfing animal Narrabeen has ever produced, is how Derek Hines summed him up. He was on a roll, but you could sense trouble was always waiting just around the corner, as it had already over many years and would continue to do so in the years ahead. He was about to be dropped by his major sponsor at the time, Lost, and staring down at his cast, he said, maybe I should just start my own brand, Davo Stating. He fell silent for a second before adding quietly, or Davo Stated. Today, we're all devastated, and our thoughts are with his friends and family. So that was from Sean Doherty at Surfing World. It's... A strange fact, but um, Davo and I were born on the exact same day, the 9th of December, 1976. And uh, when I was about 15, I had a photo of him on one of those early search trips just above my desk. And it was a center spread from an old Waves mag. I don't quite remember the caption, but I knew it had his age and I knew he was living the life that I wanted. I mean, I'd sit there trying to do my homework and I'd just stare at this tube of Davo, you know thinking far out this kid is on surf trips with his heroes getting barreled getting photos i mean it just seemed too good and it really you know it really dragged my attention away from what i was supposed to be focusing on in those books eventually i met Davo when i moved to sydney down to uh, south narrabeen i mean a pretty shit house closeout 
Um, not to be confused with the long winding lefts of North Narra just up the beach. Uh, my childhood mate, Ozzy Wright, was from South Narra and he went to school with Davo. And those two had uh, a friendship, a rivalry, and, and basically experienced that feeling of being upcoming pro surfers together in one of the real hotbeds of, of surfing talent on the northern beaches at that time. But when I first met Davo, he was gruff, he was arrogant, and to be honest, he was frightening. And we didn't get on, and uh, things didn't get better when I started dating his ex-girlfriend. But for years, we just kind of gave each other stink eye, and as time went on, though, we, we just moved in the same circle so much that we just found a way to put up with each other, and eventually we did become friends. Yeah, As the years went by... You know, Davo's fortunes went up and down. He went from being Rip Curl's golden boy on the search to being kicked off the team. He qualified for the world tour, then he fell off tour, and then he qualified again, and he made the top 10, only to just find ways to keep on fucking it up somehow. It was just maddening. But he was just such a character. Like, I remember commentating a six-star QS at uh, Hossegor in France, and Stavo surfed all the way through to the final, and he had this final against a Brazilian guy named Jihad Coda. And Jihad was warming up for this final, you know, earphones on, jogging on the spot. And Davo just runs up behind him, grabs him in this bear hug, and just starts squeezing him, going, You're going to bring it, Jihad. You're going to bring it. Let's do this, brother. I love you, man. And Jihad turned around and hugged him back, and it was just the most fucking surreal preheat energy ramp up ever. Like, Two guys revving each other up to try and beat each other. It was it was uh, almost like the complete opposite of those pre-boxing faux fights that they have on the scales. You know, this was like two guys actually ramping each other up, uh, kind of like Kelly Slater's "I Love You, Man," but with the dial turned to four thousand. Yeah, he was a fucking character. Uh, on the flip side, he had multiple DUIs. Uh, just a constant string of traffic offences. He ended up in court after allegedly glassing a girl in the arm when he missed the guy he was going after. I mean, he could just be downright dangerous and he invited that maelstrom into his life at so many turns. The thing about Davo was that even when he was on a tear, even when he was at his absolute best, like his luck was only dependent on how quickly he could find a way to fuck it up. And... um. Yeah, I remember when he was surfing a QS uh, at Margaret's and he stood on a bottle in the competitors area, which basically put him out of about three or four events to come. And at the end of the year in those days, you, you had to put forward your case to all the other surfers to, to get your place back on tour through that uh, injury wildcard. And I just remember uh, hearing the story that, you know, everyone's out there – saying, you know, surfing is my life. This is what I've dedicated my entire life to. You know, I just really feel like I deserve a second chance and all this sort of thing. And Davo gets up there with the best case of anyone, you know, standing on a bottle in the competitors area. It couldn't be easier to plead your case for a second shot. And he ends up just sort of saying that his chick had broken up with him and tells his hard luck story about him losing his license. Do you why? And <laughs> it just couldn't help himself. He, he just could not help himself. It's wild. But yeah, he had he had amazing charisma and he could be incredibly lovable. Uh, and I don't know how you pull off being such a fucking selfish, reckless human and still be, you know, a, a genuinely open-hearted soul at times. But 
When We Made Doped Youth in 2003, a surf movie with acting that followed a handful of guys like Dave O, Ozzy Wright, Luke Steadman, Dean Morrison, James Caddo um, and co trying to beat Kelly Slater in a Battle of the Bands competition. The idea was basically to exaggerate everyone's perceived personalities, the way that, you know, people who read mags or watch movies, the way that they kind of understood who these people were. So Davo's character was this fucking gold pant wearing, short fused lunatic named Kingswood Black. And if anything, he was he was a watered down version of the real deal rather than an exaggeration of it, because Kingswood Black would never have lived the fucking topsy-turvy existence of Chris Davidson. Uh, He came on Ain't That Swell Live in Port Macquarie earlier this year, and we're going to play some excerpts from that. Um, He was in good spirits, but not in the best shape. He he had a, a car accident a few years ago, crashed into a tree, destroyed all the nerves in his shoulder. He actually... um had no muscle in his arm at all but he he showed me that night some footage of him surfing and fucking good surfers man they just they don't lose it i mean he he kind of couldn't come off the top it, it kind of looked like you know without the the counterbalance of that weight in your front arm it, it, it was almost like he uh, was surfing without a fin but the bottom turn and the speed off the bottom and the aggression if all he had to do was hit a lip was was all there yeah Speaking with friends of Davos and those closest to him over the last 24 hours, there's just been this uneasy admission that, you know, they haven't been surprised when they heard the news, which fucking sucks, man. Like, it's just, it goes to show that, you know, we can celebrate his surfing, but there's a lot to consider when we remember the man. Uh, He was a child star at a time of mindless excess when money and fame and self-interest and, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's just, we're living in a different time, but, but that was a fairly toxic environment. Davo never really had minders or, or anyone capable of, of pulling in his reckless, emotional sort of arrogance that he lived a lot of his life with. So, so on one hand, we, we've lost this rare talent, this raw and emotional individual who showcased a supernatural talent for riding waves. And then on the other hand, we had this self-destructive unit who caused a lot of people a lot of pain with extremely reckless and selfish behavior. And it was often fueled by booze and drugs. He was really, you know, a victim of his own desires and and impulses. And those desires and impulses were self-serving and toxic to himself and to others. So knowing how to feel, I think the process for everyone, particularly around Narrabeen, is is been really quite confronting and confusing. But I know for one thing is that everyone is just feeling sad. You know, everyone's sad for everyone involved. I spoke to a really good friend of Davo's this morning, and he said, you know, the same thing. I'm, I'm sad for Davo's family, for his kids. I'm sad for the family of the man and the man himself who hit Davo. He goes, you know, until all the details come out, it just feels like everyone is going to be the worse off because of this scenario. And unfortunately, we've lost an absolute character, a real fucking magical human at times. But once the grief and the 
the morning and the and the celebration of of Davo as a surfer subsides, there's going to be a lot of looking at how this life got to the point it got to and how it ended the way it did because nobody wins here. Today we're going to have a chat with one of Davo's oldest and dearest friends, Nathan Hoghedge, a guy who grew up at the same beach, ended up on the same surf team at Rip Curl, travelled with Davo to the furthest, farthest, flungest corners of the globe on the search before finding themselves at the pointy end of the elite world surfing tour. There's really few people who knew Davo better than Hedgie. And we really appreciate his generosity in coming on the program today. But a very sad day for Australian surfing. A very sad day all round. R.I.P. Davo. You're a wild, wild man, mate. And uh, yeah, I'll miss you. Hoggy, uh, a really sad 24 hours with news coming through about Davo. How are you feeling, man? Oh, it comes in waves, Blakey. I sort of you know, I reminisce on all the, the times that we shared and the special moments and the just the funny times and the intense times and the and the classic times and and then it kind of hits me like oh, he's not around and not going to hear his voice anymore. I'm not going to catch up with him, and he's you know, like he's gone forever in an instant. So it kind of it's just an emotional roller coaster, you know. It's just yeah, just tragic, especially the the chain events. How you know he passed away is just mm. just rocky, you know. It's I would have rather he'd been standing in a big barrel or doing something that he loved. It's just it's just heartbreak that he you know things finished the way that they did. Mate, um, when was the last time you guys had a catch up? Oh, mate, he came through town um, on his way up to the Goldie to see uh, his daughter, Lily Rose, and he pulled in to Pottsville and caught up. And, um, yeah, mate, we just, you know, we didn't surf that time, but we caught up and, you know, had a good catch-up and good chat. And, um, you know, he uh, he more recently sent me messages after Tahiti and uh, earlier on in the year, too, after my Newcastle result. He's, he's just so pumped and watching and gave me, you know, Heaps of encouraging words, and um, it was awesome to see me do well. Mm. Mm. Yeah. How was he going, mate? Um, I've bumped into him a couple of times, just, you know, being like an hour away from um, from where he was living. Uh, we'd bump each other from time to time, and he, he came on Ain't yeah. That Swell Live, and uh, he was in good spirits, but, you know, he, he was one of those characters who always put on a, a, a you know, a persona, I guess, when you were with him at times, maybe less so uh, if it was in a more intimate setting. But, you know, if, if he was around and there was other people around, he always had that larger-than-life personality. And, yeah, like I say, he was in good spirits, but it was hard to get a read on sort of, you know, how he was actually going. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. You know, he was he was the showman, and when he was around people, he he liked to be the centre of attention and the one raising the bar and, you know, you knew when he walked into the room and he he's larger than life and was always pushing the boundaries. So it was tricky to get a read on him sometimes. Um, but, you know, I think that's how he was. He was just, despite what was going on, he was just still Davo. And mm. um, I, I really admire him for that. I think, you know, more, more recently than not, um, you know, probably the last six months, I think he was in a really good space because I say this because the stuff he was talking to me about and what he was doing and, 
you know, things like ordering boards off Gunther and getting a bit thicker boards because, you know, he'd, he'd hurt his arm, but he was out surfing a lot more. And that, that says to me that he's, whenever Dave was in the water and surfing a lot, you knew there was good things going on and he was in a good spot and healthy. And, um, you know, he, he would chat to me a lot about Lily Rose. And I know for a fact that, you know, the last day here on earth with us, he, he spent the majority of that day with Lily. Mm. And, you know, that's that spells to me too that he was making some some better choices more recently than, you know, maybe some of the other months, you know. Um, and, you know, chatting to me about, you know, different back beaches and this really, oh, you got to come up and surf. I've got to show you some ways, mate. I mean, when David gets up on his feet, man, I'll still give you a run for your money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, so yeah. he had that kind of like swagger about him and a bit of fire. Like he seemed pretty motivated and was um, – pretty pretty like celebrating some things in and around his area and, and the things that were close to him so that you know i felt good about that yeah yeah mate take us take us back to narrabeen when you guys were groms and, and just sort of you know who he was when you first clapped eyes on him when when you first sort of paddled into that lineup and and sort of yeah. his presence out there because he he was huge right from the word go like when he was 13 he was paddling into in a narrabeen like one of the world's if not the world's most competitive lineup at the time. And he already had front and, and uh, you know, a lot of that sort of competitive aggression and belief right from a young age. Was it like that for you uh, when you first saw him out there? Yeah, I was reflecting on the last day or so um, on all, a lot of the times and some of the early times looking through some photos and that. And I was thinking of my earliest memory of him and getting to know Davo and, and the character that he was and how intense he was around the surf scene and the contest and paddling out in Arabine. And we were doing the regional titles and um, it got moved from like, I don't know, Mona Vale or something. The regionals were on and because of big South Swell, they moved it up to Palmy into the corner. Mm. And I think mum or dad had dropped me off or something. And so I couldn't get up there. And so they're going to run, um, you know, the first few heats, whatever. And somehow I ended up in the car with Dave and his old man. And I was like 12 or 13, and he would have been 14 or 15. I think he was in the under 16s, I was in the under 13s, something mm-hmm. like that. And um, I just remember him being in the car, and it's just how not, like intense he was. And oh, I get up there, and you know, I'm going to smash him, and I get up there, and just like being in the car with him, he was so confident already. Like, I think we we're still now ready to move up there and surf, you know, half a day or something. And I just remember that first, um, you know, glimpse of who he was was you know i was quite intimidated and scared of him at that time because he was he was gnarly and um teddy his dad was alive then and there'd be some banter going on amongst them and um that was pretty hardcore dynamic at times Mm. and um sort of different to what my home environment looked like you know so um it was pretty intense for sure bang like just yeah it's on you know Mm. yeah lots of swearing and and just just kind of yeah a bit of madness already yeah, and so he had that going on at home, and and then he also had the uh, the Narrabeen culture, which at that time, I mean, early nineties, it's a very like fucking tense culture as well, mate. As as much as it is a, a brotherhood and all that sort of thing, that lineup was full on. Like I I'd shit myself paddling out there. Yeah, it was just gnarly. I just remember heaps like lots of people get sent in and fights. It was heaps more raw back then and intense and um. Yeah, like like you had said earlier, Blakey, um, Davo, when he he just commanded that when he got into the water, and he had so much aggression, and um, but the talent matched the aggression too. Mm-hmm. So he was so skillful and so 
much better than everyone else. It was just, he just had so much belief and so much like tenacity. And when he would paddle into a wave, it was just like, look the fuck out. Davidson's going. And he would just, you know, he just, he just owned the space. You know, he just commanded the lineup. And like you said, even from being young and, just the freakiest natural ability, you know, on a surfboard. Like, I really feel like he's probably the most talented guy I've ever seen on a board. Like, I know Slater has the greatest of all time won 11 world titles. I think Chris had the same ability in, in his in his body to, to create those those things that Kelly's had done, but he just couldn't apply himself. You know, I just feel like – I don't feel like that's a long stretch. I don't say that lightly, but I just feel like he had that. Yeah, mm. it, it, mate. When he was a junior, um, you know, the, there was really only one junior event. Like it was the pro junior at Narrabeen. It was a, it was a huge one. Yeah. It was, it was sort of you know, people would fly in from all over the world. Slater and Dorian and Machado, yeah. and, and for years before that, you know, the the big uh, overseas surfers would come to compete in that one event. Um, he came second in that to Noodles. I think that was the first time two Narrabeen surfers had actually been in the final, and. Mm. And then he sort of, uh, I guess around that time, he was also like one of the biggest free surfers in the world because the search had kicked in. He was going away with Tom Curran, holding his own as this little blonde head, you know, super grom. Um, how did that time where he went from being, you know, the best surfer in his lineup to being like one of the most recognized surfers in the world change him from your point of view? You know, like, did you see... Uh, a sort of a change, or or even an elevation of his energy around the Narrabeen lineup and the and the and the zone in that little time. I think there was an acceleration of everything that was already going on. It was just to build upon. You know, I was a couple of years younger than him and just starry eyed and looking up to him. And this is that was just Davo, you know, and just I just saw him, you know, dominate even 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 further and 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 take more risks and and just explode onto the world scene like it was just just crazy you know like um and he came back surfing so much better too after the search trips you know I'd, I'd notice he'd be uh he'd get so many different boards and then come back from the search trips and just he's like when he'd come back to Narrowin after those long trips he was just surfing so good and so in tune and I think just so stoked to be back at Narrowin too back at home and you know that would that would um, transfer into the sessions at Narrabeen. And, you know, Narrabeen on most given days of the year is a really fun surf there and really nice shaped waves. And so it's just absolutely tearing, like, mm. just the timing. And, you know, obviously all the testosterone and being, you know, early 20s, it was just just mad. Mm. So, so much power, so, so radical, finesse style and just raw. And the airs too, like the alley rights, like you just said, it was so exciting to watch, you know. It's kind of like Hero in the sense, like the power and and the rail, and then but he had like a really nice flair about him too. And mm. you never really knew what he was going to do, but you knew it was going to be something something nuts. You you just wanted to watch him surf. You mm. just never got watching him surf. Mate, you you touched on the testosterone of that lineup. I mean, it it was a fucking flex out there. If if you could get waves, if you could rip out there, if you were an alpha out there. You know, looking back on it now, was that was that sort of a, a healthy culture to be a part of for you guys as, as Groms and especially as Groms with, you know, a bit of profile and, and money in the back pocket? I think there's had its pros and cons, to be honest. Like, 
you know, I've been reflecting on this as well. Like I, I, um, I attribute Davo like helped me be such a strong competitor and, and, you know, the, the aspects that I've brought into my life now competing and, you know, I, I blame Davo for a lot of that because I just role modeled off him and I mm. saw how he went about things. And at the same time, you know, it would slip into some sort of destructive stuff. You know, I kind of was brought along for the ride and enjoyed hanging out and doing some of that too. So it's, it's a very fine line of crossing over to what can be productive into destructive. And I think he walked that fine line a lot. And, um, you know, I think, you know, answering the question, I think as a pro surfer, it was, it was an incredible breeding ground and it did us wonders because with, you know, having that as your backyard and the breeding ground to then go overseas and compete, it was, we couldn't have been better, you know, fighting for waves and, and situations where you had to, you know, free surfs in the morning and run up to new places and having, to say you were from Narrabeen was a big deal and the pioneers and the people that had gained the respect globally in the lineups all around the world, um, the guys went before us, kind of paved the way, so we're really proud to say we're from Narrabeen and people knew that if you were from Narrabeen, you could surf and you you had, you know, big heart and you probably probably liked to have a good time and you knew how to surf and and um, you had some, some backbone about you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, sort of like, yeah. Yeah. And then um, like on the flip side of that, like do you think that, that Narrabeen has changed, you know, in, in a – since those days in your experience i mean you're still a, a powerful club man but like there's obviously a mm. really strong female element to uh narrabeen's recent success in, in club events during the years how have you seen that culture change and do you think do you think it's changed for the better oh 100 mate it had to change i you know i like some of the aspects that have continued on that you know it saddens me i guess sometimes when on the better days that the locals and some of the generations that have been there forever aren't in the lineups and different people have moved in. You sort of lost a little bit of that community vibe in a sense. Mm. But I think as far as, you know, change in, in culture, it was a much needed change. It's a change for the better and, um, you know, it had to change and only positive things have come from it. And it's more inclusive and, you know, it's about having a good time out there and, and um, yeah. you know, all yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely I'm, not. I'm pointing the finger at you know Narrabeen creating this sort of darkness in Davo. There, there's a, a bunch of factors that you spoke about, but certainly you know like uh, being sort of in that position of, of being you know celebrated, lauded as as a good surfer, and and how that translates into the rest of your life, especially when the industry's pouring money at you. You're on every single magazine yeah. cover. Yeah, you know, it just was a perfect storm that a lot of a lot of kids didn't really have the the faculties to sort of understand and get through. Exactly, mate. It's just, I guess, like, could it be, you know, sometimes like a duty of care? Like, I'm not sure. It was just something on there that the support things weren't in place and your whole self-worth and who you are is based on, on your achievements and mm. getting all the accolades and, and more money. And I, mean, I know for a fact all the Rip Curl contracts were – highly incentivized to the better you do, the more money you got. So, I mean, as a 13-year-old kid, 14-year-old, you know, you get told that and it, it transpires into actual tangible getting paid. And then, you know, obviously all the fame and the stuff that goes with that, it is tricky to navigate through. And if you don't have really solid core people around you, like mentors and family and, and a massive network around you to keep you in check and grounded, it's 
and I speak from my experience, it can get wobbly and um, it's a tricky thing to to stay grounded through and navigate through and, and, and know who you are and your sense of what you're about, um, not based on all that stuff. It's it's tough. So tough, man. And like you say, if your yeah. self-worth is tied up with, you know, having a sticker on the front of your board and getting good results and getting photos here and there, when that when that dissolves, when that's gone, like where do you actually put the value on what you're doing and, and how you're surfing or, you know, who you are as yeah. a person? It's fucking wild, mate. Yeah, the transition phase is just, you know, I know, I know Chris dealt with that. Um, a bunch of different times and sort of falling on the off the tour and back on the tour and, you know, getting good for a couple of years and then struggling again and then kind of, you know, um, just dealing with the roller coaster of the, the tour life. And, um, you know, he got thrust into everything so early, you know, as I did. So I think that's why I had a lot of compassion for him for everything that um, I could relate. And um, anyone who's in there who's been, who lived that, you know, and live quite like Chris did, but you get a sense and a glimpse of what it could be, and it's, you know, yeah. So not, I, I felt sorry for him in some ways in that regard. Mm. Mate, yeah. give, give us a bit of an insight into into Dave Aldi's best. You know, like like you, you went on a thousand search trips with him. You mm. uh, did some time on tour with him. What yeah. made him? You know, the 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 guy that he was when he was just. You know, the guy that we're seeing all these tributes flow for, you know, you got Slater saying had some fun heats with these guys. You've got crew who just genuinely feel love and affection for him. Uh, yeah. Despite the fact that, you know, he, he was a complicated person with a lot of, you know, he dragged a lot of mess into a, uh, into not just his life, but other people's lives. Can you give us a bit of an insight into, into what made him so lovable and, and just such a charismatic, epic dude? Oh, he was just, you know, the best way to sum him up is kind of like, um, like the Lion King movie, you know, he could be Mufasa, you know, one minute and then the next he's Scar, you know, it would just depend on when you get him. <laughs> it, yeah, like oh. he just, he's the, he was both of them, mm. you know, like the most loving, guiding, like give your shirt off his back, like there for you and just so genuine and just love to connect and the next he would kind of be like just gnarling you just didn't want to like you know upset him and it was just a bit you know just never knew what you were going to get it was a bit volatile so um you know he sort of lived on that edge for, for most of his life and i think anyone that that really knew davo he knew that to be davo and you, you just loved him unconditionally that i think you just sort of knew that part of him and it was like ah oh, that's davo you know and um because, you know, the good times outweighed the not so good. And I mean, that's what I choose to remember anyway. And I, you know, I feel like that was his heart. Um, mm. But, you know, when, when he was running good and he was on fire, like he was untouchable, mate. No, no one could touch him. He was so further ahead of anybody. Like he's just, it's just scary. He almost had like a sixth sense and he would, you know, the best ways would come to him and he was just so electric on the waves that he was just so much better than all of us at, um, it was quite intimidating. You know, he had so much front that he would just turn up to the event around the corner site and he was just like, oh, fuck, Davo's in your heat. Or he had so much self-belief that he was kind of like three-quarters of the way already there. You know, yeah. like that's what made him so now He just had so much like belief in himself and backed himself what he was doing that maybe it wasn't even right, but he believed it was right, so that's what was going to happen. Yeah. It was just like, you're stupid if you didn't think otherwise. You're like, what, fuck, no. 
You know what I mean? I've never just, seen anyone get around a contest site like him, mate. Like, you know, the competitors area, he was just yeah. Like, if he was on a good one, he'd be going, go get him, go get him. He'd like, you know, be rampant. He was like everyone's personal cheer squad on his own. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, the other person seen that gnarly going through the comp site might have been Neko Paderat. Um, <laughs> but, like, in a different way, you know, like stomping mm. down for his heats. And, um, yeah, David, when he had that look in his eye um, when he was on, he was – um. He was so gifted, like we like we said, you know. He's so talented that even if he had a so-so day or not the best heat, he was still going to surf at the level that most of us were at. So that was the thing. He had so so much to draw upon. Um, he didn't need to surf out of his skin all the time. So then when he did, it was just like fuck. Mm. This guy's just gnarly. It was you know it's kind of like like Slater and those guys, like just yeah. the next level, like another level. But then you didn't really know what you're going to get either. Just depend on what had gone on through the comp event window, and you know you'd never like drop your guard on him. I think you know, sweet like a couple of times I surfed against him in cloud break and thought, oh, left barrels should be able to beat him. You know, he beat me, and he beat me more than I beat him. That's for sure. So, um, yeah, he's just such a special person. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always got the feeling when I was, you know, reporting on events around the world uh, in those years that Davo was there that everyone kind of, they just couldn't really categorise him. Like, they either thought he was mad or they thought he was strange or they thought he was this or that, but they all thought he was endearing. You know, they all, they all like I said, they had that sort of um, love and warmth for him. Uh, and I guess because he was like that, you know, uh, that hot and cold and that up and down and... And I, I think people did feel for him a lot of the time, you know, because he, he was yeah. so often his own worst enemy. Yeah, that was that was a sad thing, you know. It's, we chatted earlier, Blake. He was just like he'd jump out of one predicament straight into another deep hole, you know, out of the mm. one frying pan into the fire, and then just stuff would happen, you know. And just I think, to be honest, straight with you, and I think sometimes he probably took ownership of some of the predicaments he got himself I wish he'd sort of realised that what was his part to play in it and maybe make some, implement some little bit better changes that would serve him a bit better. But, you know, to his credit, I've seen him be so resilient and get himself out of so many pickles and and just bounce back and just be back, back ready to go, you know. And he was just, he had so much heart and resilience, I guess, and, and courage that he got through so much stuff. I just thought he was just going to be around forever. Mm. I just... It's a real shame. I think like people, you know, it's been from my own experience and really close to my family. Like I see him in all forms, in all sorts of situations all around the world. And then, but you know, he, he would come and, you know, have, interact with my mom or my sister, Anita, and he would, he'd be so genuine and so polite and so lovely towards almost like trying to charm my mom. And, hey, darling, hey, yeah, gee, you look nice. I love that outfit, you know, like just <laughs> almost, yeah. Like just, just fully charm, just you know, win them, win them all over, and just the gift of the gab, and just, just be able to talk, you know, like about anything to anybody, and just connect and and be right there with you. Like when Chris spoke to you, he was, he knew he was there, and it was intense, and mm. it, 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 he was with you. And I think that's what, I know that's what, you know, was really, you know, a lot of people close around my family loved about him. So. Yeah, he was a rat bag. He was a loose cannon. He was full tilt. He was mad at times, but he was also, 
you know, a loving person with, with a huge heart um, that was quite soft and, you know, a lot of that stuff was a front. Mm. You know, a lot of it was facade and just kind of a bit of a mask, I think, you know. Get him on his own in quiet times, he'd, he'd have his moments where he'd be, you know, open up a bit and have the same stuff, you know, as everybody. So, mm. yeah, it's a tricky one, eh? Yeah. Actually, the, the strange thing, Hoggy, is that for so many people who I know who know and, and love Davo, the the craziest thing about this weekend was that no one was that shocked. Like, people have been caught off guard and, and really saddened by what's happened. But at the same time, people were... Oh, it's, it's such a weird sort of thing to say, but it's like almost like bracing themselves for something bad like this to happen, which is just so... It's so unusual for someone to live on the edge like that. And you touched up on, on it before, man. Like, you know, after that transitional period, you, you guys went through similar journeys of, of sort of trying to find answers in, in places where you, you were never going to really get health or, or peace of mind, you know, whether it's at the bottom of the bottle or, or sort of trying to mask the pain. But you did that, mate. You you looked inside, you dealt with it, you asked for help, and you worked really, really hard to get to a place where you could start to feel good about yourself and your choices again. Davo, I feel like he might have dreamed about doing that, but he never really got to, to that place. Like, Was it something that you guys ever talked about? Was he was he proud of you and the, and the journey that you'd made? Yeah, oh, he was so proud and just so stoked for me. And, you know, when I became a father, he was just, you know, tears in his eyes. He met me down the lake in Narrabeen. I had summer with me and he was just so genuinely just over the moon for me because knew, he knew what it felt like to be a dad. And, um, you know, we'd had chats, you know, over the times about, you know, getting clean and sober and different ways to, to get help. And, you know, there, there was periods there in a few months where he would, you know, be doing really good and then it would kind of, you know, creep back into old coping mechanisms and then, you know, things that had worked before that, you know, long-term were never going to work out. Mm. But, um, you know, he'd be like, oh, well, it's not that I'm not drinking, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm just having a couple of beers, you know. He's kind of like not ready to go the full yard. Yeah, I guess he'd, he'd run good for a few months and then maybe not so good. So, you know, we, we definitely had our chats, but I guess it's one of those tough things that, you know, the last 24 hours, I've kind of wondered myself if I could have got in his corner a bit more. Could I have taken him and done a few more things that I'd done? But it's the same story. Like, you, unless someone really 100% is fully committed and really wants it for themselves, it's, it's hard to it's hard to get someone there to do that. So I know he definitely um, liked feeling good, and I think he could kind of get back feeling good physically. I'd see him running the beach and he'd have a good couple of weeks of, you know, surfing and living really good. He'd get really passionate about the food and moves. Oh, I'm doing this hog and I'm doing that. I'm standing, running the beach and I'm swimming. And, but I don't think he ever probably really addressed, you know, the mental, the spiritual side of side of it, mm. um, which, you know, is, it's a personal thing and it's a tricky thing. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I know from my experience too, I'd, I'd get really good physically and think, oh, I'm sweet. You call us like you'd, you deserve to have a celebration or something, you know, mm. and then, yeah, it's kind of like back to the vicious circle and one thing leads to another. And then, you know, I think he sort of got trapped in that. I mean, yeah, but, you know, I was hopeful of him moving up the coast, Southwest Rocks, 
like a little bit more of an organic existence, a little bit mm. quieter. Um, you know, he seemed to be running pretty good. Like, you know, he's four-wheel drive and a few back beaches. Like I said, ordered a few thicker boards to, to get back out in the water. And it was just a little bit more simple life for him. I was really hoping that would be a good recipe for him up there. And um, from maybe possibly being in the cities and, you know, where things are a little bit more, you know, running in the same old haunts and same patterns and things are a little more accessible. Like, it seemed to me like he's happy to have his few beers up there and, and sort of live a bit more, not mundane, but just a little less intense. Mm, just calm. Yeah, maybe Basically. a little more still Davo, but just, uh, you know, I was hoping that would rub off on him up there. And it, of all the predicaments and spaces and couple we got in and out of all over the globe and to think he passed away up there in Southwest Rocks at the sports club wherever it was. I don't know the exact details, mm-hmm. but just fuck off. This is not no. I just wanted so much better for him. He just deserved better, you know. Mate, it's it's so, yeah. so sad. Um Oh, look, I appreciate you jumping on the phone, mate. It's really lovely to get your insights and, and to be able to look back and, and you know remember the good things and and mate like have you got a memory that is just you know one that you're really cherishing like that, that makes you think fucking just laugh your head off and go yeah that's that's the davo i'll always have in my heart oh man there's so many but i just like i guess he um the one time i cut my head on a boat trip in um in the mentalize and um it was the end of the trip, and um, I think they'd stitched up Travis Lynch the day before then, never like a you know long trip. And I went up the top section to Macca's, and I got phone board and split my head up pretty bad. Got back to the boat, and um, yeah, there was no local anaesthetic left. And so basically, I just had the whiskey. Davo busted out the whiskey, the duty free. It's probably Jack JD at the time, and he's just like, with me holding the hand, like getting me through it to squeeze my hand. Oh, can you take this? Have a shot of this. Have a shot of that. Yeah, look. I'm with you. I'm, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Getting there, just growling and snarling at me, like holding my hand, being loving and supportive, but at the same time, like telling me to harden the fuck up. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? So I was like this. Uh, yeah, you know, he was there for me. He was holding my hand. I was getting stitched up, passing me the JD. Looking, just looking in his piercing blue eyes, like just look at me. I'm with you, kind of thing. And then just, you know, like. Yeah, it was just probably summed him up, you know. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, no one like him. No, no one like yeah. him, mate. No one, no one ever like him again either. No, he just freaking broke the mold, you know. I just, Spielman spew got robbed, you know, he's only 45 and looking forward to, you know, surfing with him a little bit more and, um, you know, being able to hang out with our daughters and have some more adventures and do those, you know, special things. So mm. it's just, yeah. Got to be constant. Yeah, mate. Fucking nice. Oh, thanks for talking to us, Hog, and um, love you, man. And, uh, you know, I've, like, fuck, I've been thinking of Davo nonstop for the last 24 hours. And, yeah, it has, no. been, it has been a roller coaster, man. I mean, uh, yeah, it wasn't like we were super tight in the last few years, but he's part of the fabric of of my experience of life, and um, that that fabric has a big hole in it now. Yeah, it's a really really beautiful way to sum it up, mate. And um, yeah, I know he definitely shaped a lot of who I am, and um, 
you know, he's with us in spirit. I know, I know he is, and um, grateful to have, to have had all the times with him. That's the best way to do it. I mean, I was, this morning I sort of woke up and the blinds were down. I was like, I don't even feel like getting up. I started looking through photos and the blinds still hadn't gone up, and I was really sort of flat and low and just just the pain and the ache. And then sort of got really motivated to go, we'll live life, you know, the people who are closest to us and do the best you can and be the example through action and, and you know, like, I wanted to train, I wanted to do yoga, I, you know, I wanted to, you know, get the chin-ups going, like I just wanted to get super fit and smash headings in the next comp and paddle out knowing the Davos with me, so, um, yeah, like I said, it's a roller coaster, eh? Mm. He'd want us, you know, the messages after Tahiti, he was that frothing and stoked, so I'm just going to continue on the path and just get better and better and just know that he'd be stoked and, you know, hopefully um have a chat with his daughter and to call one day and share some memories and, and just know how proud they would be of their dad and what the person he was at the core. 